Hello and welcome to the Not So Secret Source podcast, where we open source the secret source. My name is Andy Lemasugu, and I lead community and comms efforts at Founders Factory Africa. Glad you could join us. Now, on today's show, we're diving headfirst into the world of impact investment. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by three amazing guests who not only shape the very definition of impact investment in their hectic day-to-day, but they also play a crucial role in redefining that term for the better. At least that's what I believe. So buckle up and get ready for an insightful ride. I'm excited to introduce first on the show, Shruti Goel, who joins us from Bengaluru. India's IT capital and uh, often referred to as the Silicon Valley of India. Now, Shruti is the Director of Impact at Upaya Social Ventures, where she focuses on driving sustainable job creation for the country's most vulnerable populations. Now, welcome to the podcast, Shruti. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be on my first podcast here. Well, thank you for breaking the ice in your podcasting journey with us. We love it. Uh, I've never been to India, Shruti, so... Bengaluru's popular moniker is well-deserved, you know, you know, IT capital of India, Silicon Valley of India. Are those well-deserved? Definitely, yes. And much more. You're missing out on the cultural part. So you should come and visit Ooh, us. Okay. I, I, there's something I've heard about um, some paratha as well, which is apparently quite good there too. That's true. Okay, well, you, you'll need to show me around, show me the culture, show me all that tech, definitely lead me to some food. So <laughs> you have a heavy burden when, when I visit. <laughs> Pleasure is all mine. Awesome, awesome. And joining us from Bangkok, Thailand is Emily Waters. Now, Emily is an independent impact measurement specialist currently consulting to the Founders Factory Africa team. Welcome, Emily. Hi, Andila. Yeah, what impact metrics are trending in Bangkok this week? <laughs> That's a funny question. Well, uh, it's not exactly an impact metric, but it is a metric, and it's something that people in Bangkok do pay attention to. It's the AQI, so the Air Quality Index. Oh, I, I am guessing it might be slightly better than New York in, in the last few months. <laughs> Actually, yes, you're right. I Sometimes I'm comparing to other cities in the world and feeling kind of bad, but these days we're green and New York is probably red. So, yeah, I, I feel a little bit better about where I am. This is fantastic. Also, n- n- no better place to have papaya salad. At least I'm sure there are a few other places in Thailand to have great papaya salad, but Bangkok, a solid place to have some. So enjoy your air quality and some papaya salad for me, okay? <laughs> Will do. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, joining me in studio right here in Johannesburg, South Africa, is Tabiso Foto. Tabiso is Chief Financial Officer at Founders Factory Africa. Welcome back on the show, Tabiso. You are officially the first not-so-secret source guest to be on the show twice. But to be fair, it was called the Secret Source Podcast then. So welcome back. Now it's not so secret. No, not so secret. It never. <laughs> that's the thing. It's never been a secret. We open source the secret source. So we had to change the name for this season and going forward. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Andile. Hi, everyone. Hey. And for anyone who might be wondering why a CFO is being roped into a discussion about impact investment, do you care to illuminate why you're here? <laughs> Um, firstly, you know how I deeply care about this. I do. Um, secondly, as CFOs, we, our role, our role is really just to be custodian of shareholders money. We have to protect company assets. And as you know, we also have to drive value in a sustainable manner. 
And a lot of people will ask what is sustainable. There's no way we can continue to drive value without being socially aware, environmentally aware, and not just aware, but also responsive to the needs of not only shareholders, but also the communities that our businesses are actually operating in. So yes, personally, I think it's very much aligned to my purpose and very very much something I deeply care about in terms of just driving social change, societal change rather. As a finance professional, I also understand the influence that I have in deploying capital and therefore I feel personally responsible to deploy money in a manner that actually is fair, it is equitable, and giving access to everyone, not just for a few people. Well, there you have it, folks. That's why she's here. Also, sustainable in diet choices too. Easily one of the more conscientious eaters in our office and uh, definitely uh, someone to look up to in terms of, you know, walking the talk in terms of that too. So well done to you. And thanks for joining us on today's show. We are unpacking the question that which all three of you I invite to, to factor in on. And that question is, can impact investment deliver on both impact and commercial outcomes. Now, you hinted at it in your earlier response, Tabi, so we'll definitely be diving into the weeds on that one. But before we get into today's meaty topic, we're going to have a quick lightning round of a little game called Good, Neutral, Bad. Now, I'll give you each a topic, and all you have to do is share your gut reaction, right? It might be a word or just, you know, a phrase. And all I need to hear from you is good, neutral, or bad. And then I might ask you to, to unpack why. Does that sound good? Are you are you ready to play? Yep. Fantastic. Emily, we'll begin with you. Good, neutral, bad, TikTok. I'm going to say bad. Oh, wow. <laughs> but now I have to ask why. <laughs> half, half the planet well, is going to be like, come on, Emily, get with it. I know. Well, I know. I recognize there's entertainment value there, right? Yep. But I think that it also kind of promotes this mindless content consumption. Mm. So I don't think that's doing, you know, people any favors. Mm, yeah. As a podcast lover, I have to agree. The long form content formats uh, and sort of the deep immersive format of podcasting certainly on the far end of the spectrum, if, if <laughs> on the far, call it right, of TikTok's left, I guess. So um, I'm with you on that one, to be fair. Vegan leather, Shruti. Good, neutral, bad. Neutral. Okay. Because I, I feel that you also, that's veganism is more of an extreme right now for me. I feel that the love for local food and to really embrace what's locally available is something that you shouldn't go away from. Uh, Mm. While we get to be great, fair. but then you need to embrace what is locally available and it mm. has its own roots with the local value chains, local production and the nutrition that your body is accustomed to. I have the right people for this game. This is this is <laughs> also also, I mean, isn't ve vegan leather essentially plastic? I mean, for the most part, <laughs> or I, I know there's there's versions of vegan leather that come from like natural sources and stuff like that. But a lot of it is just a bunch of plastic going. We're not we're not leather. So. Yeah, I don't know how great that is for the for the planet, but that's an excellent response, Shruti. Chat GPT, Tabiso. Good, neutral, bad. <laughs> First that comes to mind is actually good. Ah, largely because everything I've been looking for in Chat GPT, I find. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you um, fact check. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> of course, of course do, I right? do. But yeah, I think in general, AI obviously seeing a lot of its own shade, <laughs> if I can call it that. But I do think the intentions are good. And I think it's really just about how we use it and how we we take advantage of it for, for the better of what we're trying to do. Sounds good. 
the UN Sustainable Development Goals? Emily? Well, that is easy. I, I will have to say good. Okay. Um, I think anything that gets the world to, you know, rally around a common set of goals to make the world better has to be good, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So following on that, Shruti, ESG legislation, environmental, social, and governance legislation. Well, that's a trick question you got me on. It is actually, because legislation is key there. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we make it law? I mean, it's a neutral response from my side. ESG, it's, it's compliance, right? Impact is core. So legislation is as good as its implementation and how you operationalize to the to the end mile. So I have my mixed opinions there. And I suppose legislation is also equally as good as legislators or policymakers sometimes and, and their sort of orientation. Yeah, and also how, how who's it getting applied onto. I mean, a big $2 billion carbon company versus somebody else. I mean, it's you can't put it under one umbrella, right? So mm. legislators yeah. and the adopters and the implementers. Those affected as well. Mm. Final one for you, Tabi. So carbon credits. <laughs> she's showing. She's showing me. Like, she's, <laughs> she's showing me a blank, like a blank stare. She's like, I don't know. Okay, I, let's let's fact in. Don't <laughs> like. I don't know if it's good or if it's bad or it's. I mean, and and I guess the reason I say that, yes, we definitely have to. We do worry about our environment. We definitely have to be aware of how the carbon emissions are impacting our in our environment. However. I don't know if if the whole credit system is achieving what it's meant to what it's meant to do in terms of driving or reducing carbon emissions. I think that's to be tested, but that's also an area I'm not very close to in terms of really understanding how the carbon credits uh, it, the actual approach is actually working, whether it's working or not. I don't know. So that sounds like a solid neutral. So very neutral. Very yeah. neutral. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being such good sports. Let's delve into today's topic, which is, again, can impact investment deliver on both impact and commercial outcomes? Mm. Pregnant pause. <laughs> so, Shruti, let's start with the basics. What is impact investing? There's so much debate about what that term means. How, how would you distill it? for the novice? So impact investing for me is investment into an initiative with the expectation that it will give you environmental and social impact as well as financial returns from that initiative. So that's what impact investing simplified is. Emily, Tabiso, would you add anything to that definition given your your sort of varied purviews and uh, literally different sort of geographic locations and uh, experiences? I think that, that, yeah, I'm right on board with Shruti's definition. It's about trying to make a positive, measurable difference in a specific outcome or set of outcomes through your investment. I imagine as we sort of, you know, get through this conversation, I suppose the question is, you know, what's the role of the commercial outcome as part of that that conversation or that definition? But perhaps a question for you, Emily, you know, what would you then consider impactful investing versus impact investment? Or is there a difference? Are these synonymous terms? So the idea of investing impactfully versus 
the notion of impact investment? And that's a hard one, Andile. <laughs> I guess I would say that impact investment is this whole kind of emerging field. Instead of practices, instead of investors, and there's some operating principles now which are around how you make investments. An impactful investment, I guess, would be kind of the outcome of applying these practices, so that the investments you make indeed do have like positive. Outcomes. Gotcha. So let's talk ESG then, Tabiso. It, it it's often conflated with this notion of impact investing, and you know, I'm not sure why that happens. Is you know, again, I'm a novice to this to this topic. What would you say the difference might be between the idea of ESG as a genre versus impact investing or investment? Yeah. Yeah. So so aligned to to what Shruti and Emily just alluded to. With impact investing, it's investing obviously with the intention to make a positive impact alongside financial returns, right? ESG is more the approach, and yes, I think we spoke about legislation earlier because there is actually more policies around it, if I can call it that, which is really looking at how businesses in general, not just investments, but businesses in general, are incorporating. Environment, social, and governance factors in how they do business. So that affects businesses in general. It could be FSMCG, like all sectors basically, but it also affects investors in terms of how do they actually incorporate ESG factors in their investment process, right? So I've, I believe they are inextricably linked in that ESG is looking at environment, social, and governance. Whereas social investing, impact investing is more focused on how to drive impact uh, outcomes with a financial return. Not so sure how much focus there is on the G part of it, for example. But definitely the ESG, what we're seeing is a lot more. There's there's a there's a push and there's a there's more of a almost like a regulation around it, right? To say we 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 want to see businesses becoming more responsible in how they actually operate. We want to see investors being more responsible in how they allocate capital. But really looking at the environment, looking at the social aspects, looking at the the, the governance factors of it, whereas impact investing is really just looking at how do we drive impact outcomes alongside our financial returns. And Shruti, often the we trying to drive these policy shifts ends up being sort of policymakers, you know, governments. And I think the Often I sense the departure point is if we don't do this, we can't trust business to, right? And and I wonder, you know, I, I sensed in your in your in your response to the legislation icebreaker question that you've probably seen perhaps even well-meaning attempts to drive legislation that advances ESG or even impact outcomes backfire. And, and I wonder whether it's because you know, there might be a hard and fast sensibility unwittingly in, in, in say, policymakers, even business people that make these ideas mutually exclusive to the idea of, you know, commercial progress and profit. Do you, do you sense that? Do you sense that there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a definite line in the minds of those who, who, who play in this field or attempts to sort of drive legislation and policy in this area? Let me let me answer that by just picking up with what Tabiso was saying. So there's a difference between ESG and impact investing. Now, ESG is compliance. So ESG legislation, 
policy around ESG is about disclosures. It's about compliance for the business to to disclose what they're doing around the E and the S and the G. But when we talk about impact-linked investments or impact-linked businesses or impact-first investors, and there is a plethora of terms there, but that's that's tied to the intent. The intent at the core is to make an impact. And that is where we are trying to drive the world to say that the business by intent becomes impactful. And ESG is part of how you report or you report on compliance of what all you've done. From that, I would like to answer your questions here. The question here is that we shouldn't be from five years now, we shouldn't be in a we shouldn't be even asking this question that is there like a should we be seeing a smirk on the face of legislators when they talk about ESG and they say, okay, you know, uh, but it should be more like this is the way we do business. This is business as usual. If you're talking about setting up a mining in a mining field, then these are the things that you need to speak about sustainable practices with the local communities. How are you looking at the E part, the S part and the G part? And or if you're starting, if you already have an FMCG business, are you doing the traceability of your supply chains and so on and so forth? So the impact should become the mainstream in general for business strategy, growth and profitability. And ESG should be the compliance part of it. And a question for all three of you. I mean, in a practical sense, it sounds like Shruti, you are suggesting that at this point, certainly you, your desire and your perhaps your hope would be that we are all starting to play for the same goals and on the same team. Can I'm, and I'm asking each of you to, to to give me a sense of whether that's how it feels. You're you're a CFO of an early stage investor, backing some of you know Africa's most talented tech players, Tabiso. Does it feel like we're all playing for the same teams? We we've got all these stakeholders, we, we you know take corporate money and and now also impact investment sort of mandated you know funds to back up our model. And of course, we're hoping to sort of pass down the the intent to do, you know, to do business that's impactful to to our portfolio through our portfolio. Does it feel like all of us are playing on the same team, Emily? Similarly, you have a bunch of clients, including Founders Factory Africa. Do you sense, you know, a tension between them and and some of their stakeholder groupings, which you interact with as as we all try and you know do the business of being ourselves? And then Shruti, you you run an, an impact investor. You you have funds under management, you're building a portfolio, you're dealing with all kinds of sh- stakeholders, including policymakers, among others. Are we all on the same team, Tabiso? Yeah, so I think there's different players, right, doing different things. If you asked uh, ShopRite, I'm sure they'll tell you they're also driving impact in one way or another. So that's one of South um, Africa's largest supermarket groups. Right. Yeah. Um, and as at, at Founders Factory Africa, what we've been doing or why we exist is really to to support and fund early stage tech entrepreneurs across Africa. One would also argue that by just doing that, we are actually driving impact in our own way by actually increasing funding to African entrepreneurs, right? What I see happen, I think, is just how differently impact is defined by different stakeholders that we're engaging with. Others would not see just 
looking at African entrepreneurs as impactful as it should be, you want to go deeper in terms of like, who are you really funding and why those people? So I do think the intention is there across different stakeholders in terms of we all want to drive economic growth. We all want to drive certain impact outcomes while also delivering commercial returns for, for shareholders. But we have different stakeholders. We have others who are also purely just impact driven. They don't really care about getting money back or the money that they've put in. So I do see an intention across different stakeholders to create jobs, to drive economic growth, to create positive impact in the communities that we're doing business. But I just think it's defined differently by different different stakeholders in, in and really just aligning to their core operations and what they do in their businesses. Mm. But Yes, I think we are yeah. in the same So uh, a, it sounds like field. a unity of intent that's starting to form, but there's definitely divergence of definitions. There's divergence in, in, how. in how we go about like reaching these outcomes and also measuring and maybe even determining whether that outcome counts as impact. Exactly. Sounds like. Yeah. Emily, your take? Yeah, I very much agree. I would say that we're seeing more and more a kind of momentum for this idea that businesses can be a force for good and looking at opportunities for how businesses can get involved in creating impact. And I've come from the development space, working with donors, you know, who traditionally channeled grant money into like short-term projects that would be run by NGOs. But more and more, philanthropy and investing are coming together. And we see governments looking for opportunities to invest in businesses that can create, you know, sustainable impact, because that's a way of making sure that impact can last over time. So, yeah, I think I agree we're playing on the same team. And it really is a matter of kind of the specific types of ways that we define impact and measure it may differ and the vehicles that we use, but yeah, the intent is there. And Shruti, it's hard to imagine a more pragmatic increasingly globally competitive economy than India. I wonder how this this conversation is playing out in a place that is leading the world on so many growth metrics economically, in terms of growth, in terms of, you know, growth potential and and, you know, in terms of markets and market, you know, market growth, et cetera. So how how is this how is this shaping up in your part of the world? I think it's it's what Emily and Tabiso said. So everyone is playing on the same team, there is unity of intent across segments. The scale differs definitely for a policy for the government versus a funder like us. But I all I'm in India I'm also seeing a growing acceptance on what we call the spectrum of finance, like Emily said, that how do you make the grant tie up with early stage funding to growth stage funding to how do you really make that entrepreneur survive through the valley of death? I think that is no more a concept. Now in India, people are really coming together to make it happen through blended finance or through various other kind of combinations. One one thing I want to call out though here is that where I see an opportunity in India emerging is for investors to come, come together and co-invest with larger pools of money in to make success happen. So, and also drive impact and define impact in a more aligned way. So there is definitely a problem of different definitions and the complexity around it on how do you define impact and what indicators, et cetera. 
but i feel there's an opportunity for investors looking to invest in similar themes similar sectors to come together mm-hmm. and kind of make it easier for the entrepreneurs to to follow and report back i mean yeah. that's that's what i'm seeing in india yeah and i suppose there's also the question of whose impact is it anyway <laughs> and uh, i think a lot of the conversations i pick up on in this space are really a question of who's who's causing the impact you know and i mean if we're if we're going to measure it and we're going to we i think there's also a um, a desire to assign the impact outcomes to to the you know to the causal factors and the causal sort of players and i imagine there's also a, a world of prestige to to being associated with certain impact outcomes i wonder how that plays out in the world of investments i suppose it's a, it is a follow on question i think for you shruti in the sense that perhaps that's that's why the world of investments may be struggling to to collaborate more more cohesively around this you've led me to my favorite quote here which is that the impact canvas is so huge for everyone to play their part mm. so it's i think it's not about intent for from the investment community to come into the picture i think it, the problem is how and if mm. we are able to decode that simplify it and that's where people like me emily and tabiso in the same room trying mm. to decode the vocabulary of finance world with the impact world makes so much sense because how do you decode it for a cfo that mm. these are the impact linked indicators which could trigger the payment mm. so just coming back to that question i feel that the intent is there if we simplify the how for both the impact side of the world and the finance side of the world it will be easier to operate it has started to happen already but i think it will take some more time for us to get there and a great way to simplify things for a lot of people is frameworks right and and perhaps you know throwing over to you emily you know what framework do you find most useful in you know decoding the space for yourself helping you define or even validate your own sense of what impact is and therefore how to measure it how to cultivate it you know what what do you point to and i know there are many and i i imagine no one framework sums it up perfectly but i mean what what what's your favorite <laughs> and you're asking you know measurement person about frameworks that's like what we love and we're very nerdy sometimes about it yeah so i think the theory of change is kind of a fundamental thing in impact in understanding impact and then later being able to measure it so you know it's a jargony word but ultimately what it is is a hypothesis about how the things you're doing like your business activities your products and your services can lead to impact for a certain group of people and so it's mapping that out so that you're clear about what is the impact that you're looking for so that later you can measure it so i think that's a really good one and then something that goes along well with that is called the five dimensions of impact and this is one that's being used more and more as a way to analyze the potential of an investment and it's also looking at what is what are the outcomes that this that this business can create for users and who are those users and how many users can be reached and um how, how what is the depth of that impact what kind of a difference does it make in people's lives so mm. these are just tools to help us kind of think through what impact looks like at an individual business level 
I know Tabi sort of loves the theory of change. It comes up, uh, <laughs> it comes up a lot where she talks to, to the team about, about. I've had to learn a lot in this journey with Emily. <laughs> yeah, um, but but yeah, are there any other special mentions maybe from you, Tabi so or Shruti frameworks that you find useful in in helping you? I suppose distill it for yourself, but maybe even engage with other people who who might not necessarily be on the same page or might be coming from it, coming to this conversation from different angles. Yeah, happy to go first. I think when I started working with Emily and Sabrina, who is the other consultant we've been working with on developing this impact strategy for for Founders Factory Africa, I remember starting to look at different frameworks and saying, is there a, an approach, right, or the the best practice or recommended approach in terms of how to develop our, our impact strategy. And I came across a gentleman, I forgot his name actually, who said there are over 150 frameworks out there, right? And the reason there are so many frameworks is because everyone is trying to figure this thing out. And therefore, the focus should really be on what change are you trying to drive? Mm. And then what is the intention? And then you need to work around, then you now need to develop your process in terms of how do you actually drive that change? To what extent? Emily spoke about the depth, right? Depth and breadth of the impact outcomes that you want to see. So I think since then, I've actually disregarded frameworks (laughs) to say, focus on what we're trying to do. What are we trying to change? And what impact could we potentially deliver in the work that we do, in the initiatives that we're doing and beyond just us as a business? Like what systemic change can we actually drive and how do we actually contribute to that so so yeah i'm i'm no longer frameworks. tied to any framework <laughs> driven yeah but i think yeah just defining that for me is is just critical yeah i think it's worth uh, sort of underlining the fact that founders factory africa despite how we might have been perceived over the last 4 years odd of our existence is actually a commercial you know commercially driven entity and and i think what what i found quite difficult in 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 being part of trying to help articulate is our commitment to having well i suppose not so much commitment the fact that we are you know impact is based baked into our ways of work yeah. into our choices into into the choices of how you know into the model we've chosen into you know into where we invest and how etc in a, in ways that perhaps come secondary to businesses that might have initially maybe just existed solely to to make a ton of money or advance shareholder value etc which is definitely a big part of what we do but baked in it is is this idea and it was so easy to say that until to your point we needed to figure out how to express that to measure it to distill it so that we can have conversations like this yeah. without sort of just launching into philosophical conversations etc yeah. so yeah in in my i think the reason i find frameworks helpful is for that reason. I, I think we're very belief-driven, very sort of aligned. Our senior leaders, mm-hmm. you included, Tabi, so have been really great at even in the way we, we hire, we attract the kind of people who genuinely get up in the morning to do that kind yeah. of work for yeah. those reasons, that intent. But it's been really instructive to see you and, and Emily and, and Sabrina sort of articulated in ways we can now almost scale that yeah. conversation further. And so, Shruti, I wonder if you've got a favorite framework coming at it as an investor, Maybe maybe the, the question for you might be different. I'll spin it and say, is there a framework you find most useful to bringing different views or people from different perspectives to alignment on this question of impact and impact investment? For me, I think I I bent towards what Tabiso said. So when I joined Upaya Social Ventures, we, we were looking at which framework and which is 
the most aligned to us and what should how should we integrate and distill our information across and then the answer was let's stick to our north star mm. and our north star is to create dignified jobs for the poor through investments mm. in early stage businesses now when we def- when we we aligned ourselves to the core that we are working towards that's when we started to see what works for us and there were different frameworks we looked at we looked at oecd we looked at gin iris plus and 500 others but ultimately i feel that we came up with we customized our own strategy i've also written mm. about it in my blog but it's it's a framework we developed for us which works we'll definitely share all of these uh, resources including the one you just mentioned shruti in the show notes we definitely will do that so yeah, so, please so carry on. we developed we we took inspiration from a lot of frameworks but ultimately they have to work for us for our investment strategy and that's where we developed our own framework which is divided into when we are doing a pipeline assessment to when a company enters our portfolio how are we looking at assessing impact potential to supporting impact and deepening impact so that's the spectrum but i feel that still the imps the five dimensions of impact kind of makes it easier for us to help uh, categorize the impact and also helps our portfolio companies kind of articulate the impact they are making better mm. at upaya we and i'm coming from a from a fund where we spend 10% of our operational budget on only impact measurement so mm. we do that's significant primary surveys my team is mostly on the field with the entrepreneurs looking at the last the job holder themselves as to what is the effect of these jobs on their lives and we've done around 3000 plus interviews till date mm. and when we are looking to aggregate that information i felt that the five dimensions of impact makes it easier for us to mm. cluster the information articulated and help our, help our companies articulate it better the other framework that i would like to mention which we are toying right now with is the abc on climate change which is how our portfolio is doing on avoiding harm benefiting the climate and contributing to solution we are trying to see how our all 21 active companies right now in the portfolio are doing on that not a easy task but uh, i feel that that kind of gives us a overview of how the portfolio is going and uh, what the investment strategy should be going forward and i know at founders factory africa we're especially concerned with gender inclusion affordable quality healthcare job creation certainly we share with opaya certainly uh, as a massive area we're concerned with but also expanding financial access is a big part of what we we're trying to achieve in our in our small way here on the continent emily why you know what goes into focus areas around impact you know you, you know as someone who who you know has had tons of sort of engagements around you know helping various types of organizations across the spectrum of everyone who cares about impact you know what goes into determining hey this is worth backing in your in your instance i, I we obviously have our beliefs as founders factory africa is why we do this and we we have a whole thesis around it but what have you picked up in forms the focus areas in terms of impact in your practice 
Well, <laughs> there's really no shortage of, you know, problems that you could try to solve through investing. And so it comes down to prioritizing. And a lot of times that's, you just have to be practical. And so like for FFA, it was a matter of looking at the types of ventures in our portfolio that we've been able to work with to date and considering the investors and the partners that we work with. And so we narrowed in on these specific impact priorities of job creation and financial inclusion, improving healthcare access and access to finance, because these were areas where we saw we really could make a measurable difference. So I think, yeah, sometimes it comes down to just what's practical. Yeah, it comes back to what Tavisa and Shruti were both saying. I suppose you look at what you have in your hands and in your purview and what you're able and competent and yeah. even willing and perhaps most proficient at trying to advance yeah. as, as an impact outcome. You think yeah. so, Tavisa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I agree with uh, what Emily just said. There's a lot of problems, right? Mm. But I think as a business, we need to look at what are we best positioned to solve? I mean, it's a cold day in Joburg today. It so is very cold. I suppose we could we could make we could make heating. <laughs> and in, then I can see him. <laughs> in Tabiso is freezing, literally freezing in the studio because we don't want the aircon to to, uh. to bleed into the audio. So we could make that an impact measure, an, an impact outcome. Like let's get, let's have warmer, get me warmer warm. studios yeah, in Joburg. Make sure that I'm feeling warm. Exactly. So um, there's no shortage. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> Okay, we have bigger problems we than that. We have bigger problems than that, yeah. But to your point, right? Yeah. There's there's, there's um, a lot. You kind of have to almost narrow it down. Yes, you have to narrow it down to the what your business is able to solve for without necessarily being obviously lazy about other things that we could potentially like stretch ourselves to do. Mm-hmm. So I do think, aligned to what Emily said, as a business, we invest in technology, in, in entrepreneurs that are that are. We're investing in early stage technology startups. Uh, we're investing in African entrepreneurs, and we have partners that are very focused on financial services. For example, with Standard Bank as our partner, they also care a lot about financial inclusion. How do we actually increase access of financial products and solutions to to the majority of our population? We have Netcare that that is also thinking about healthcare. How do we improve affordability and access of healthcare across? They are focused on Southern Africa, but with the partnership we have, we can actually expand that into Africa by partnering with these entrepreneurs that are coming up with technology, innovation to really actually improve access, improve affordability. So yeah, I think it's really baked in the model that we have, the sphere of influence that we have, and essentially what leverage points are actually accessible to us to be able to really drive the change. Because ultimately you have to measure it, right? You have to also show that you're able to measure what impact you're actually delivering. So I think it's 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 really just tying it to what is within our sphere of influence, mm-hmm. but also looking at how else do we contribute systemically from it to, 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 to the change that we want to see, yeah. acknowledging that there's only so much we can do, but obviously you have to partner and work with a lot of other stakeholders across, uh, whether it's government, whether it's other investors to... to Foundations, no least. I mean, again, I'll keep the, uh, the, the shout outs going for, you know, the small foundation who have a massive passion for agriculture, agriculture and, 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 yeah. and, and so partnering with us on how, 
you know, early stage tech in agriculture yeah. can 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 move things forward or is Johnson can, and Johnson impact ventures and, and they're also burdened for for healthcare, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I think I mean you talk about Small Foundation, their vision is to eliminate poverty and hunger across Africa through agriculture investments. So so that's that kind of like helps us in terms of like narrowing down our focus in terms of what our key partners, what we're able to drive and what we're able to influence and what we're able to change with the key partners that we have. So I, I like this because this is really useful in sort of framing pragmatically what leads to certain kinds of partnerships, practical partnerships that move impact investment forward, right? It's not it's not a random sensibility of, hey, who's got the money? It's it's as much about that, if not more about, you know, who's trying to focus on certain kinds of impact and change, both, you know, in within the the remit of their business, but also systematically and more broadly, given what they're able to do and what they're competent at doing and what they're able to advance. And so I suppose that's a really great segue to talking about, you know, you know, some of the conversations I've had with pure impact players, and I do that in air quotes. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, the foundations of this world, the small foundation, incidentally, really more a family office structured as a foundation, really quite pragmatic. So I'd say they're one of the outliers in, the, in, in this instance. I'm talking like true foundations, like we're here to like make the world a better place. We're taking money that, you know, maybe created oil spills, but we're here to sort of mop them up um, using that as an extreme example, uh, tongue in cheek. But so I've had conversations with people from the pure impact world. And I've also had conversations with impact investors in the world of VC and PE. And, and what I've found is there seems to be this healthy and I'm calling it healthy because I I, I think that it's it's it, it, that the debate is healthy, but I do think there's a healthy dose dose of skepticism that startups, particularly tech startups, right, aren't best suited to create impact, and and I suppose there seems to be some kind of standoffishness to to anyone trying to back that space and and maybe questioning the intent of anyone backing that space going is that really like you know impactful so shruti i'll ask you because i know you back early stage entrepreneurship how much of your portfolio is actually in the in the tech space and how do you speak to the role of tech to sort of advancing the impact outcomes through sort of backing them through investment so for us Tech, tech is an important core pillar, right? It's cross-cutting. But we see our point of view is that tech is an enabler to mm-hmm. job mm-hmm. creation, livelihood creation, and economic growth for the poorest of the poor. So we have some really cool companies we've, we are supporting currently. But the model, so because I look at impact measurement, I'm looking at how impact gets interlinked with the tech advancement. So, for example, we have a company which is into precision agriculture, advisory, farm farm advisory, etc. But the core there, which we could bring together, is how do you bring together the, ed, ag, the agriculture advisory, the tech-based advisory, to also providing the market linkages or the market access to the farmers themselves. So, the distinction that we make here is farmer as a customer for the company or farmer as the job holder. And the latter is what interests us. So when a tech company comes to us and says, we are trying to, we have this cool tech advisory platform for the farmer, etc. Our next question is, how are you supporting the farmer with the market linkages? And if it is part of the business, if it is part of the model by design, that is when we come in. But if impact, that is economic impact, is a byproduct that with our tech product the farmer will 
automatically save so much etc that is something that we feel we lose control over in terms of impact measurement so which is fine with for other investors but for i'm talking about a buyer that the way we look at our pipeline assessment is when a tech company is also equally invested in providing the market linkages to the end beneficiary so that it is the the loop closes that's when we come in so tech is very important it's tech as an enabler is important for us so i mean tech is obviously really important to founders factory africa it's at the core of our sort of our investment thesis listening to shruti i recognize perhaps an, an answer to a question i had in my own head which is you know Upai is definitely an impact investor in the way I kind of frame an impact investor in my mind and should everything you said aligns with what I would consider an impact led premise for making an investment everything you just described suggests to me that my you know my stereotypical notions most of them positive about how an impact investor would go about determining whether this is an investment for them it, you know so you've get you've given me a really great insight into how that happens practically at Upai We are definitely a commercial business at Founders Factory Africa. So Tabi so how would you explain what appears to be an insurmountable tension around having players at the same table backing yeah. our commercial cum yeah. impact model in early stage investment model but I suppose playing ball quite happily for the most part how would you explain how we've needed and how we've navigated this successfully yeah. so far? I think we started the conversation by saying why am I here right in terms of my role and in my interaction with the various shareholders there's definitely a focus on for some of our shareholders there's a focus on driving commercial returns right we want to to see returns for this money but in there there's also a focus on impact that each and every shareholder that we're dealing with has I spoke about we spoke about Standard Bank. Standard Bank does actually care about financial access, access to financial products and solutions. So they're also looking at how can they also drive financial inclusion in Africa where a lot of transactions are actually being done in cash. That's a lot of and and SMEs or small businesses that are also doing a lot of their business outside of the digital channels. There's a lot that's missing there and therefore they also do actually want to bring some of those some of those customers onto digital platforms yes there is a revenue component to it but also if you look at it from the customer's perspective they're also starting to create a record for themselves so that they can also access more products and solutions so so it at uh, there is an impact focus but i think maybe just the way the different shareholders are looking at it is it's slightly different and it's also a timing like there's a short term profit that needs to be made because you still need to declare dividends for the shareholders you need to uh, the business needs to continue running but how do we sustainably how do we continue to be sustainable as cfos i think things have now changed in terms of like just how you report there used to be just a report around financial performance now you have to also report on sustainability because the two go hand in hand so sh- all shareholders commercial or not uh, now have to really care about sustainability because they want to see that company going uh continuing for the foreseeable future right and then there is obviously the purely purely impact uh like philanthropic capital like what we've seen recently that you're talking about right the foundations who are just looking at driving job creation gender inclusion and not so much worried about the commercial return from that i do think in finding 
those impact priorities across the different shareholders and just aligning across all of those is is really what is important for us and that's what drives us forward. And I think there's a lot of push now or progress being made around blending capital, blending different sources of capital for the development that we want to see. I think as as just private investors or just institutional investors or corporates on their own or government on their own will not be able to achieve that. So there is a, an acknowledgement and an appreciation that we all have to come together, different shareholders, different sources of capital to drive impact. So I think it's, 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 we're getting there. We're making so progress. It occurs to me as, you know, it occurred to me as you were speaking that the, the, the golden thread might be this question of sustainability. Cause I'm yes. imagining, you know, executives standard bank you know the c-suite of standard bank can perhaps envisage a world where if they don't invest in impact the 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 world they currently serve ceases to exist and they become disrupted and the business goes along with everything else that you know burns in the fire of not caring about impact right and and so there's a sense in which you could have the exact same conversation about sustainability from the perspective of you know what we how much poorer the world is when you know we we forfeit this opportunity to to ensure more women aren't you know sufficiently included and participating yeah. in global economies, right? Yeah. So I, I, it's occurring to me too that it's definitely a language issue, and I'm starting to, I almost yeah, almost kind of get a bit of goosebump vibes when I think about the importance of this conversation as part of advancing narratives, debates, exchanges at the intersection of determining what constitutes sustainability for all these players mm -hmm. and where we can all sort of happily play together. And so yeah. bringing that to a question for you, Emily, around sustainability, there's, there's definitely been a massive sea change occurring within the impact space over the last five, 10 years around this idea of commercial sustainability, it becoming a more recognized factor as, as Tabiso you know, has unpacked. You know, which metrics have you found are most useful to unify various interests? You know, is it is it the job metric? Is it the, you know, yeah. I mean, which one would you point to as, you know, like giving everyone unanimous approval on we're all doing this together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the top two probably would be job creation uh -huh. and emissions, carbon emissions. Uh -huh. Those seem to be ones that, more and more investors care about mm. and can buy into. Shruti, do, are you are you aligned with those? Have you found others to to be useful sort of crossover hits? Sometimes I <laughs> I find myself like people question, "Oh, you are working on job creation, but what about climate change and what about gender mm. and what about healthcare and education?" And that starts to make me wonder that job creation, it's like hidden in plain sight, right? Like if you are able to provide predictable incomes and good jobs to people, wouldn't that unlock a lot of other goals that we are trying to achieve? So mm -hmm. uh, that's the lens maybe like, that's the lens I tend to bend on in terms of metric that when you take a family or a household from the mode of survival to sustenance, it does unlock their ability to look at, you know, demand healthcare, demand education, look at, absorb the information about regenerative agriculture or other things. So that's the way me and the team at Upaya looks at. 
Mm, I love that because I, I think that echoes something Tabiso said about horizons and this idea of, I mean, I suppose there's the stereotypical notion that, you know, companies are thinking quarterly and uh, really just thinking, you know, past the, the end of the year where, you know, you were, we're divvying up dividends and, and bonuses. <laughs> but From our side, what we are seeing is that the sustainability, the market linkages, the impact part is making business sense. We mm. do quarterly mm. reporting. The, the mm. quarter that the impact numbers go up, the job numbers go up, the revenues go up. Mm. The quarters where the job numbers and the impact numbers are going down, the revenues go down. So we are seeing, and we do this quarter on quarter at Upaya. So we are seeing a direct linkage with, between the impact success and the business success. And because we are into early stage investments, Sometimes the entrepreneurs who come to us have not seen it happen. So they are running after, oh, what happens when I go to series A and B and C? You are at seed stage. And then they start seeing this change. And mm. then there is a higher adoption of, oh, tell me the metric. Can you give me my survey report? I need to send it to my follow-on investors. This is a change we are seeing. And wow. we are seeing yeah. that interlinkage of sustainability, especially with job creation, because it is so interlinked, right? You don't procure one season from the yeah. on agri from the farmers. What would you sell? Wow. You don't yeah. sell. You don't create revenue. So it's yeah. waste yeah. management. You don't. We have one third of our portfolio is waste management and circular economy. You don't. The waste pickers are mostly from the lower caste, extremely poor backgrounds, and households. One of the company has we invest in has hundred percent waste pickers as women hmm. the wow. kind of change we have seen in their lives when the wages started to become predictable no commission being taken by middlemen them getting uniforms for example to go around that dignity that comes in a social the social um yeah i mean because they are part of a company now they are part of a, they were they are not waste pickers they are part of a company which does wow. waste management for a city and they are uniformed and they are part of this. this How do you tribe, measure that you know? though? That's, that's crazy. Cause the, that's, I, I can imagine that uh, coming from Zimbabwe, which in some regards is comparable to, to some of the dynamics you have in, in, in parts of India, I can totally understand how even something as basic as, you know, the dignity, dignity bearing efforts such as that can make such a huge difference. I just wonder how you go about measuring it in a way that, again, delivers on, you know, everyone agreeing like we're, we're doing this together and it's and it's worthwhile and worth continuing to back. Yeah, it's been a long journey, I guess. But because the ecosystem is changing now where people are opening up to discuss and talk about impact, I think there is more acceptance amongst even the portfolio companies because see we need to also address the elephant in the room on the data burden the burden of data reporting yeah. who's going to mm. report who's going to record who's going to measure who's going to i mean i want 10 investors on my cap table but i don't want to report on 10 into 10 impact metrics 100 mm. impact metrics there's a burden of data reporting there who's yeah. talking about that yeah yeah so true and 10 percent of your and I'm just uh, again ten percent of your entire is that is that your 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 fund allocation goes to towards measurement? Is that what you said? Yeah, 
Ten percent of our operating operating budget. budget. Sorry, not your fund allocation. Tavis was giving me this eye. I'm a community guy, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is like your fund allocation. Yeah. Like what the heck you're talking about? Investors <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I need a CFO this moment. Uh, so look, I think the be- beautiful but, but, uh, place. Did you want to say something? Yeah, before yeah. We no, I was just going to add to to yeah. to what Shruti was saying, just to your point around. even just how other companies are looking at impact right like if you look on the other side of the spectrum which is the large corporates there's also an issue of growth market share is actually being taken mm-hmm. by companies that are innovating innovating to include more people that would have been otherwise excluded yeah. we've seen that in Kenya what's happened in Kenya eroding mon- uh, essentially eroding monopolies yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so 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 you you were asking the question about like what's what's driving this and and what's pushing the the that this impact agenda with with the corporates i think it's one they're looking for growth right mm-hmm. they're also looking for growth yes there is the impact outcomes that they're looking for but also there is the disruption that comes with things like strikes mm-hmm. when you don't care about the community around you mm-hmm. billions of runs are actually lost in a couple of days or because rupees, of strike or what's the what's the what do you spend in uh, thailand emily <laughs> but it is but but but, but, but yeah but, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah so 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 it's it's no longer just um mm. you have to care it makes you, sense to care you have to good care. business it's good sense. business sense to yeah. actually care yeah. because yes your profits will be wiped out by You're not, not looking after your community. <laughs> so, I, it sounds like the question was, you know, can impact investment deliver on both impact and commercial outcomes? Are we at yes, 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 my guests? <laughs> Emily, are we at yes? Absolutely. All right. Tabiso? Absolutely. Shruti, no doubt, right? Yes, absolutely. Wow. A big thank you to our guests, Shruti Goel, Emily Waters, and Tabiso Foto for joining us on this episode of the Not So Secret Source podcast. I've really enjoyed hanging out with all three of you. I've learned a lot and um, it's been fascinating to hear about how impact is everywhere we look if, if you just, you know, delve just even so deep, you know. And um, I suppose... really privileged to be part of helping shape how the impact investment story is shaping up not just on the African continent but across the increasingly in- increasingly confident developing world and 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 thank you all for helping us evolve these these narratives and enrich these debates to evolve what it takes to make a positive difference wherever impact investment is attempted and measured So I'll close by asking you each to sum up this conversation in a word. I usually I usually go what three words sum this conversation up, but what word sums up, you know, the sort of the prevailing notion, feeling, idea, thought that uh, sums up this conversation for you, Tabiso? I wasn't expecting you to start with me, so you caught me <laughs> off guard. It's I'm going right. to go with progress. Progress. Yeah. That's, that's a good word. I that's a good go word. Progress. Shruti What word sums this conversation up for you? I think optimism. 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 Emily, your word. Thought-provoking. Oh, yeah, I see what you did there. So I, get, I get two words. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> you got the hyphen in. Is that allowed? Yeah, of course it is. Of course it is. It is allowed. <laughs> okay. Once again, a big, big thank you to all three of you for jumping on the pod. Thank you, Tabiso. Thank Shruti, you, Andy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having us. Of course. And a shout out to everyone listening. Till next time, take it easy. <laughs>